Michelangelo, let's let's talk, okay? Do you know why you're here? Dude, I'm like totally here for have a gnarly good time. My dude. No, no, Michelangelo. This is a rehab facility. Uh, your father, Splinter, has uh, brought you here to get clean. Dude, I could have learned how to bathe in the sewer. <laughs> okay, Michelangelo, we... Okay, I understand that you use humor to deflect away from your real emotions. But it's time to get real about this. Do you know why you're here? Uh, like, dude, is it because I like... I don't know, because I like to have a good time, maybe? If by have a good time you mean do Jaeger bombs and smoke marijuana all day, then yes, I guess that is why you're here. Oh, come on, man, it's not that big a deal. Everybody smokes weed. Michelangelo, do you know what the difference is between you and your brothers? <laughs> that I'm fun and have a good time? No, Michelangelo, the difference is this, that you're all in your 30s and the rest of the Ninja Turtles have moved out of the sewer and moved on with their own lives. What? And you still live at home with your father, where you just play video games, smoke weed, and eat pizza. Oh, that is, like, totally an unfair description of, like, my mannerisms, yo. Also, you sound like, uh, you, you have an inconsistent surfer accent across all your appearances. Dude, what? No, come on, man. Michelangelo, you have a problem. Until you recognize and identify your problem, I'm afraid to say that you're going to be in the re this rehab facility for a while. Dude. But, but, your father says if you can, your father's dream for you is to also grow up and have a job like one of your other many brothers. Well, come on, man. Okay. You got your brother Donatello, who's a very successful and advanced scientist. He's uh, who works in Silicon Valley now, developing new internet technologies. Oh, yeah, but like he's yeah, but but yo, like Donnie always had like those mental advantages, bro. I was never gonna be like him. Well, maybe not like Donnie, but uh, what about Raphael? He's uh, an auto mechanic now. Him and Casey Jones own an auto mechanics place, and. Uh, they fix cars. They still fight crime at night. No one's saying you have to stop fighting crime, Michelangelo. But do you ever stop smoking weed and eating pizza long enough to leave your sewer home to fight crime? Well, like, it's not like we took care of Shredder, okay, man? It's not like there's a ton of crime. You live in New York. There is literally crime all the time. You could be out there fighting it. Well... Like, I'm not going to fight it on my own. You could fight it with Raphael. Uh, bro, I, Raphael's intense, man. I don't want to hang out. Okay, Mikey, Mikey, let's calm down. Let's calm down. You could uh, you could work like in an office like Leonardo. I'm not going to work in an office like Leonardo. <laughs> They'd make me cut my hair. Look, Mikey, I've been meaning to tell you this, but your rat tail is, is not your hair. It's it's literally a wig of a rat. You, you literally have someone else's ponytail duct taped to the back of your head. What? Wait. Come on, man. I just... I don't know, man. This is, like, my whole life has just been 
me being a goofy, funny guy. And, and, and like everyone else always had like these these things that they had like, and you know, I'm, you know, you know, but maybe you're right. Maybe I should clean up and, you know, like then maybe April O'Neil will marry me. Mikey, Mikey, we've been over this. April O'Neil is married to Casey Jones. They, you have to get over that. Come on, man. I just, uh, Mikey, the problem here is that you haven't moved on with your life. You have to figure out what your strengths are, Michelangelo, and lean into them, okay? Okay? I believe in you. All right. All right, you can uh, return to your... All right, uh, on your way back to your room, here's, uh, here's a cup to pee in to get your manual weekly drug test. Oh, man. Oh, welcome to the show. All right, welcome back to Ruben and Cut. Today, some nerdery. I'm going to rank. All the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Well, okay, not all of them. Okay. I'll be honest. Only one made-for-TV Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle animated movie made it on this list. And I didn't do any of the Batman meets the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Just for the fact that I haven't seen them. And I wanted to make this episode now. And I was tired of waiting. <clears throat> However, I won't lie. There are going to be some controversial statements made on this list. Not all Ninja Turtle fans are gonna go along with me, but I will rank all seven of what I consider to be the main Ninja Turtle movies. All right. Now, for those not familiar with the Ninja Turtles, I'll just give you a brief rundown on the general idea. Basically, in the 80s, Two dudes, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. I got one guy who uh, looks kind of like Dilbert, and if he was going to be played in the movie, I'd say he should be played by that guy who plays Colin on the show in the sh uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, that's who should play him. And uh, Kevin Eastman, a guy who looks kind of like Andrew Dice Clay. But uh, this strange, weird nerd friendship... Uh, resulted in two guys who got together to make an indie, an independently published comic book. Actually, one of which the first issue of is one of the most valuable, uh, like indie comics out there. Very cool shit. Even the bootlegs are worth money. But anyways. One day, these guys got together and came up with an idea for a comic book essentially making fun of superheroes. Specifically, uh, Daredevil and the X-Men. You see, Daredevil was full of ninjas at the time, with Frank Miller writing them, and it was all gritty and stuff. And they wanted to make fun of that. But then also, mutants. In fact, in the original comic books, uh, part of the idea is that the same chemical that's supposed to have blinded Daredevil 
uh, also got on these uh, got on these baby turtles who uh, mutated into uh, anthropomorphic turtles and then were trained by their adoptive rat father Splinter or as he is frequently called Master Splinter Now the original comic book um, was a was a farcical satire on superhero comics uh, that uh, I always loved the original comic books because it was it was generally it was genuinely a a storytelling series that it I always felt like there was nothing that couldn't happen in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle storyline like. If you picked up a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles storyline, it could, like, it could be anything from them getting trapped in a weird dimension where people are always driving on cars, and the longer you stay there, the weirder you mutate. Or it could be them fighting with uh, doomsday survivalists in the woods to uh, stories with aliens and ninjas and time travel and weird it was just a dream stories oh yeah the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic books is a postmodern satirical classic it's brilliant absolutely awesome I'm not I haven't read any of the more recent comics I don't know how they've changed but the early stuff uh flippin incredible just flippin incredible And yes, I did say flipping instead of fucking, because the ninjas do flips. No, actually, I just—it was a word choice, and I thought it'd be funnier if I said it. That was why. Now, when I was a kid, there were a bunch of different big cartoons of my age period, and uh, some of them were stuff like GI Joe and Transformers and Ghostbusters. But then there was Ninja Turtles. And, and He-Man and stuff, but I, Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters were the ones that I latched onto uh, as a kid. Where I was like, no, these are the coolest fucking cartoons I can be into as a kid, even if I didn't really watch them. Those were the those were the sets of toys I really wanted to buy. I got some He-Man toys also, but I most I'd never seen any He-Man uh, media. Actually, I recently watched <laughs> the Dolph, the Dolph Lundgren He-Man uh, movie, and you know what? I don't know shit about He-Man's lore, but that movie actually kind of enjoyably bad. Like it's fun bad. It's it's good. It's good bad. I'm I'm getting sidetracked. Uh huh. Okay, back to Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles was my jam. Is what I'm trying to say here. Um, I was a Donatello guy. Uh, I I'm not even sure why uh, Donatello was my favorite. Um, as a kid, uh, something about him. I don't know what, I don't know if it was the staff, the fact that he was the smart one. I don't know. Uh, cause like, I've never been a particularly sciencey guy myself. Um, I don't know what it was about him that spoke to me as a kid, but he did. Um, now the funny thing is though, is that another reason I have a connection to this franchise is cause my brother's name is Raphael and like growing up his the point of reference that a lot of people would say is when he, when finding out his name was, oh, like the Ninja Turtle, um, including to my mom when she was telling people who <laughs> what his name was. Um, 
which I gotta be honest, a little bit jealous, a little bit jealous. I would way rather the the point of reference for my name be the Teenage Ninja Turtles than a fucking sandwich. Just I don't care that your favorite sandwich. I don't care. I do not give a shit. A Reuben sandwich is your favorite sandwich. Don't even fucking tell me. I do not. I could not give less aggressively of a fuck that you like that sandwich. I could not care less. If I care less, I mean I actively like you less if you've told me this. Or I should say because it was my name. Not even spelled the way, the same way. My name's spelled the cool Latin way. Where was I? Oh, right. But so, yeah, my brother's name was Raphael, which is badass. And Raphael the Ninja Turtle is a badass. Now, this is the thing. Now, they didn't get all... Each of the Ninja Turtles had their own personality, which they accidentally... They didn't get all the artists' personalities right. They, like, mixed them up, and different ones were kind of more the other ways. But uh, basically, you got Leonardo, who is your serious uh, leader, stoic leader guy, um, even though he's like 15. And then you got Raphael, the angry, hot-tempered one. And then you got Donatello, like I said, the, uh, the smart nerd one. Oh, and they all have their individual... Specific weapons. Leonardo's got the swords. Raphael's got the size. Donatello's got a bow. Not a bow staff. That's redundant. The word bow means staff. Just point that out. And then, of course, you have everyone else's favorite Ninja Turtle. <sighs> Michelangelo. Or, as I know him, you mean the annoying one? <laughs> no, seriously. Michelangelo. I, I don't know. Okay, I get it. I get it. A lot of other kids grew up wanting to like the funny characters. Uh, I guess I grew up liking the smart characters or something. So sue me. But like, come on. Michelangelo, the annoying fuck-up Ninja Turtle... Is this the Ninja Turtle we want our children looking up to? Go, why don't you go get an education? Like fucking Donatello. Or take charge, like Leonardo. Although if you're, you should probably get therapy instead of be like Raphael. Just throwing that out there. Good heart on the guy though. But of course they're raised by a master splinter. Doesn't really seem to have a signature weapon. Although his, his action figure was always sold with a walking cane, which is not a weapon. Which is not really a weapon. I mean, anything can be a weapon, technically. Now, in the comic books, the Ninja Turtles, while they did have their signature weapons, uh, they would also use any wide variety of ninja weapons that, the, uh, that, East, that Eastman and Laird felt like drawing. And would use those weapons with full compact, with full impact and violence. It's actually a very graphic comic book, not really meant for children who wouldn't understand the satire of it. However, this didn't stop Hollywood from coming along and being like, 
what if we made it into a cartoon for children? And, and hear us out here. What if we tone down the violence by making the ninjas robots? And we, uh, and we also make them all love pizza. Because we think that'll really get them kids to relate to them. Because, you know, kids love pizza. The other thing the cartoon did was it gave them all individual colors with Leonardo being receiving a blue bandana, Michelangelo receiving an orange bandana, Donatello receiving a purple bandana, and Raphael maintaining the classic comic book color bandana of red. You see, in the comic books, all the Ninja Turtles had red bandanas. It made more sense, actually, for them to be uniform. Um, and also, it didn't matter in the comic books anyways, because the comic books were black and white. Many other characters were transferred over from the comic books into the, uh, the cartoon, including Shredder, uh, the, their, the evil ninja they all face off against, and, of course, news reporter lady, who the Ninja Turtles at one point saved, April O'Neil. Although, if I remember correctly, she, although in the comic books, I don't think she's actually a news reporter. I think she actually has some weird, insane... Actually, hold on. I gotta look this up. Okay, I'm glad I looked this up because, uh... I looked this up because, uh... Yeah. Uh, they totally changed April O'Neil's profession between the comic books and the cartoon. Uh, in the comic books, uh, she was actually a computer programmer. <clears throat> and in the TV show, they changed her from a computer programmer to being a strong-willed news reporter uh, in the cartoon. Um, she is portrayed as a warrior in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adventure comics produced by Archie Comics and various other personas in different TMNT media. So weirdly, her personality seems to uh, shift around a little bit between different versions. But I did want to... I thought that was a thing. I wanted to check it out. How do you feel about that, by the way? How do you feel about that? What do you, what do you think... Do you think it's weird that they changed her from being a computer programmer into, a, into being a news reporter? How do you think about that as a change? It's an interesting one. Not necessarily one job better than the other. But one is definitely, well, I wouldn't say more stereotypically female. The other one might be stereotypically underrepresented as female. At least in comparison to the other. <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, moving right along. Lots of other characters also joined into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from there. And uh, we'll discuss some of those characters as I go through these movies and talk to you about why they are the best. Oh, wait, I got to say about Casey Jones. I got to say about Casey Jones. So Casey Jones is a friend of the Ninja Turtles, particularly, in particular, Raphael of the Ninja Turtles. Casey Jones was a character who was great in the comic books as a parody of vigilante characters. Whereas vigilante 
the idea is that vigilante characters normally are created by some type of trauma. Some type of trauma has affected them. The idea of Casey Jones was, is that Casey Jones wasn't traumatized. Casey Jones just grew up watching movies of vigilantes. And so, being an angry dude, he took to the streets with a hockey mask and a bunch and a bunch of sporting gear to kick people's asses. <clears throat> the cartoon also introduced uh, some other major some other major characters who will become part of the Ninja Turtle lore, including including characters like uh, Rocksteady and Bebop, two mutant henchmen who serve Shredder and the alien from Dimension X, Krang. Who sounds like something from the comic books. But I'm pretty sure they probably changed a bunch of stuff about him. I'd have to look it up. I haven't read all the books. Come on, give me a break. So let's get down to it. Let's talk about the movies I would describe as the seven most important Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Starting off with number seven. Okay, now it's going to be a little controversial. Because yes, I do think Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, is worse than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. There, I said it. I know it's a controversial take from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans. I get it. Their costumes are cheaper in 3. The budget is clearly lower. And it's also... it's. And it's a ridiculous time travel story. I get it. I understand why. It's also not super memorable exactly how it actually all plays out. I get that. It's not a great movie. But you know what? There's a reason that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, is at the bottom of the list. And there's actually there's a few reasons. There are a few goddamn reasons. First of all, in a history as old as time, and by that I mean the, the history of time in relation to comic book movies. <sighs> the Ninja Turtle movies were toned down in the second movie because they wanted to sell more toys and they were afraid that the Ninja Turtles would inspire kids to be violent. Which I get. I get. But if you don't think it's stupid to make a movie where ninjas have a bunch of weapons, but they can never use those weapons, that's profoundly stupid. Especially the swords. You couldn't use the swords fucking at all. I get it. It's problematic. But you know what? In the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, they used their fucking weapons. The first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie also doesn't have the rancid vibe of an action figure commercial. And I get it. These series existed to sell action figures. As a lot of comic book media does. But come on. Come the fuck on. 
It's hokier, it's cornier, it's cheesier, it's more slapsticky than it is action violency. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. And it's honestly disappointing. It's also disappointing because they replace, they replace Casey Jones from the first movie, I assume, for the same reasons as mentioned before, for the other changes. Because his character is quote-unquote scary and, you know, less child-friendly. So instead, he is replaced with, like, a little Asian kid who does martial arts. And, like, I... Uh, that's... Uh, who, by the way, is not in the third movie. It's the only movie he's in. No context from the comic books that I'm aware of. It's just done to give the kids a stand-in character. Kids don't need stand-in characters. Do you, How many kids do you think watched me... Like, do you remember as a kid watching movies and going... Oh, man, I wish there was a kid in this that I could identify with. Or did you watch the movies and go, That guy's awesome. He's punching people in the face. The answer is the second one. You did the second one. This is just a dumb thing that adults think about kids. Which isn't to say that movies with stories about kids aren't a thing you can do, but what I'm saying is, in a movie about teenage, first of all, basically kids, mutant ninja turtles, no kid is gonna be in the theater going, where's the little kid? Who can I relate to? No. Kids wanna be fucking ninja turtles. You don't need that kid there. That kid is just someone who is actually living irresponsibly dangerous for a child. That kid is actually imparting bad messages onto kids to live dangerously. Oh, but no. Ah, it doesn't even make sense. This one desperately tries to feel more like the cartoon than the first movie. You know, because the cartoon's purpose is also to sell action figures. And the cartoon, which I've revisited as an adult, uh, hokey as fuck. Like, I actually was not prepared for that. It was, uh, it was kind of jarring to be like, oh, oh, this is, a lot of this I now consider extremely cringy in terms of the writing. Ugh, so many fourth wall breaks. I don't remember if there's any fourth wall breaks in the in this movie. There are in the cartoon. But the point is, is that they tried to make it more like the cartoon, which on a certain level I kind of respected. But at a certain level, I wanted the movies to be more like the comic books. Okay? Even as a kid, I would have wanted it darker. Because as a kid, I did go to the right libraries, and I did get to read some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles graphic novels, and they are badass. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Use, is not badass. It's ridiculous. 
and also Vanilla Ice and his posse almost got into a fight with the Teenage Mutant Turtles on the set because Vanilla Ice and his posse fucking douchebags and they're lucky those stuntmen didn't destroy their asses so here at the bottom Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 The Secret of the Ooze it sucks now I know what you're thinking how how the hell have I put Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 higher than 2 well I'll, I'll tell you why I already said a bunch of things that were wrong with 3, and I get that. I get it. But you know what 3 has? 3 has fucking Casey Jones. That's right. It does. It has Casey Jones. And that can't compensate for everything that's wrong with the movie. But they also get to use their weapons... You could use the weapons. It's got Casey Jones. And you know what? The, the, the dumb time travel story isn't very memorable, but it is the kind of thing that could hap that would happen in the comics, okay? So for these reasons, yes, TMNT3 is number six. Now I know what you're going to say. Hold on. Some of you might even be like, how could you put either of these movies below... The Michael Bay ones. And now we're going to get into that. Because number five, which is also not good, is the second Michael Bay movie. Well, Michael Bay didn't actually direct his movies. He just produced them. But the second movie, of course, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number five on the list is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Whew. Which I will say, I rewatched it for these purposes. And it was better than I remembered it. But it still wasn't good. The editing is still kind of sloppy. It was kind of sloppy in the first one too, to be fair. It had there were just some moments where it's like, why, why is the camera doing this? Now, Teenage Mutant Turtles: Out of the Shadows has some decent fun action. I'll give it that. The Ninja Turtles got a little bit of something going on. They got a nice, they got a whole thing going on with how they're a team. The brothers are arguing. They're having a problem. Now, it is still technically, basically, there's a thing. Basically, there's a thing that happens in the movie where basically the team ends up going through the exact same drama they went with in the first movie. Well, the first Michael Bay produced movie where they were having trouble being cohesive as a team and the message is the same. Hey, we got to be a team. It's okay. It, it's the same. It's the same character arc. You're just repeating it. It just happened to be like a thing that happened that made it, that made their trust get shaky, and you rehat and and they and basically reset their relationship back to we're not a very good team right now and blah 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 blah. It's also got this thing where they're kind of like, oh, I wish we could have normal human lives, which by the way is the ultimate superhero movie cliche. Like that's it. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like a certain like, like it's a like it it can work well for certain comic book characters to do that storyline, but like some sometimes when it happens, there's a part of me that's like, <sighs> and like specifically like Spider-Man does that storyline all the time, 
Like, it's even in multiple movies where Spider-Man has that conflict. It's just, like, at a certain point, you're like, God, it's just... Because you know. You know they're not going to give it up. You know that something is going to pull them back to being a superhero. And they're not And they're not going to either... They're going to either change their mind or realize that they can't responsibly do it. Or, or, some, or they'll miss an opportunity to cure their whatever... And then we're going to go right back to them being a superhero again. And I've got to be honest, it is tiring as far as a storyline goes. And it's happened in multiple Spider-Man movies. You know what? That's kind of what I like about Batman. Is that Batman is secure enough to know that he is stuck as Batman. I mean, sure. Okay, yes. It even it happens to the Dark Knight in a certain way. But it's that one's different that one's different because it plays... It, it's not the exact same thing. He's not tortured about it. He just genuinely is like, oh, no, it's going to work. Yay! And then it doesn't. But it's not the, it's not the whole tortured thing that Spider-Man does every time. <sighs> but, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows, is, is decent Ninja Turtle mindless fun on a certain level. But I got to be honest, I'm... I've got to fucking slam this movie and subtract major fucking points from it because they fucked up Casey Jones. I mean, holy shit did they fuck up Casey Jones. And okay, so first of all, they cast Stephen Amal. I should say they miscast Stephen Amal. Look, Stephen Amal, you seem like a nice enough guy. And, like, I was excited enough to have a Green Arrow TV show in existence that I, to think that you did an okay job, although the writing and, although you're a little bit edgier than Green Arrow and the writing got more Batman-y than Green Arrow-y. But the point is, no ill will against you, man. But you are wrong for this, for the part of Casey Jones on every fucking level. Like, like you aren't, like, I don't know where, what part of the country Stephen Amal is from, but if he is even remotely from near New York, then he should be embarrassed at how un-New York his fucking Casey Jones is. It's, it doesn't feel right. He doesn't feel like Casey Jones in any way. In terms of the way he looks, uh, he's got, like, short-ass haircut and a little bit of facial hair. Casey Jones has no facial hair and has some long dark hair. Not super long, but you know, like, I play in a 90s garage band long. Okay? But possibly the most grievous alter. Like, the problem is, it's not even just that Stephen Amal is miscast. It is that the everything he's given to work with for the character is also fucking wrong. I mean, good lord. When we meet him, he is a corrections officer. And like, <sighs> making Casey Jones a cop misses, like, Casey Jones is not a fucking cop. And it's just, it's, oh my god. Like, it's cool that they brought in Rocksteady and Bebop. And even though they like, 
They bring in Krang, but in all honesty, the Krang, the Krang thing sucks. They, <laughs> because the Krang thing just sidelines the Shredder thing, and we've been watching the Shredder thing the whole fucking movie, and Krang's just been in this other universe. Krang has literally, like, two scenes in the entire movie. I mean, arguably more because his one scene is cutting between his events and the other events. But still, like, he doesn't... Very poorly thought out and underdeveloped. Like, practically, practically comes out of nowhere. Practically. I'm actually relatively okay with Tyler Perry's uh, scene-chewing performance as uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Stockman. Baxter Stockman. Um, in the in the cartoon, in the comic books, Baxter Stockman is a scientist who creates these uh, robots called the Mousers um, that end up uh, having. There's a whole. I mean, it's a whole thing. In the in the cartoon, um, I mean, I think he makes the Mousers in the cartoon also. But uh, in the cartoon, Doctor Stockman becomes. A fly, human fly character, actually, just like the Jeff Goldblum movie, um, with a teleporter accident. <sighs> and in um, and in the re the two thousand uh, two thousand three two thousand five somewhere in that range uh, reboot, he he slowly becomes a cyborg man. Also, that version is also black. Uh, so that so I was okay with um, I I had already adapted to a to a uh to the race bend on that character and you know what honestly i like the two i like the uh i like the reboot the if you count the live action cartoon there have been three generations uh it, it was the third generation of ninja turtle tv shows but the second generation of cartoons i like that version the best and i'll talk more about that in a minute but uh baxter stockman is a big part of uh, Turtles Out of the Shadows, and actually, you know what? Having seen it the second time, I kind of like Tyler Perry's performance. In it. I thought, I thought, it, I mean, he's he's over the top, but you know, it's it's fine. It's fun. It's a fun over the top. Uh, here. But yeah, no, my base, my major complaint is that it's the movie. Also, I miss Johnny Knoxville's voice as Leo, actually. The movie has its moments of Ninja Turtle fun. There's the one thing that can be said for the Michael Bay ones is that at least they have modern action set pieces, which look a lot better than the set pieces in the Ninja Turtle movies that are arguably better for other reasons. Which brings me to 2007's TMNT. TMNT was planned as a sequel, well, essentially a soft reboot sequel. Now, this, interestingly enough, even though it is a reboot sequel, it is meant to take place in the same continuity of the first two Ninja Turtle movies. And it's supposed to, it, it is basically supposed to happen instead of TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. TMNT is actually an animated movie. Um, which is unfortunate, actually. So TMNT 
from 2007, arguably, honestly, almost the best Ninja Turtle movie. I dig its story. I dig the fact that Chris Evans is Casey Jones. And Sarah Michelle Gellar is uh, is April O'Neil. Uh, I think that what they do with the turtles works. I dig the uh, the storyline with uh, Patrick Stewart as this mysterious billionaire guy. I I think it all I think it all works. I like it. I like it as the Teenage Mutant Turtle story. One problem. One huge problem looks like ass like i have to brace you for this this was a theatrical release too however the reality is okay so the ninja turtles whenever they're going on it's like okay this looks good i can buy into this this animation this art style this is fine i can dig with these ninja turtles but every time a human character shows up on screen it's like oh oh fuck this looks like a PlayStation. This looks like an Xbox game. This looks like a Xbox 360 at best. And that's who unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Cuz in all honesty, I think it hits on every other Ninja Turtle cylinder that I would want it to, but it looks gross and dated uh without throughout. Also, it has a lot of classic voice actors. Like, some of the talent on this is, like, people you might recognize from, like, cartoons in the early 90s, late 80s. And no disrespect to these to these veterans of the industry, but it makes the movie feel weirdly dated or also lower budget. But... If it wasn't so goddamn ugly, it would it might be at the top of this list. That's that's the unfortunate nature of it. I can't put it higher because, in all honesty, I can't. So I I could recommend it to you, and and some of you are gonna be like, that wasn't. I couldn't get into it, and that that would be fair. It, not everyone's gonna be able to look past the fact that you know, it looks like a, a dated video game. Which brings us to the 2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The first one produced by Michael Bay, which everyone hates, kind of unjustifiably. It's not that bad. It's really not that bad. So why does everyone hate it? Well, probably because it actually had a high level of negative hype. You see, before the movie came out, there were several rumors about the movie that actually weren't true at all. And those rumors go as follows. One, that the Ninja Turtles would in fact be aliens. They're not. And two, that, uh, that Shredder would be played by a white man. He is also not. Neither of these rumors were true, but they, all, but they both presented a lot of fan backlash. Even Peter Laird one of the creators of the Ninja Turtles, who was not involved with production, came out to say that it was stupid. The alien thing, specifically. I think I don't know if he commented on the, uh, the Shredder thing, but like I said, neither of these claims turned out to be true. What did turn out to be true is that there was a white actor who played a different villain in the movie. Now, people thought that actor was Shredder, but he, in fact, actually wasn't. He was 
like a rich philanthropist who just happened to be the student of Shredder. And then it turned out that the alien thing was just because, oh, it, the, the ooze, the ooze uh, might have been from space that they were experimenting on the turtles with. However, that brings me, oh, that reminds me from another problem with a Teenage Mutant Turtles Out of the Shadows was even though we had the mutagen from the first movie had been established, they had to come up with their own different ooze for Out of the Shadows. And I felt like that was unnecessary. I mean, I respect that they wanted to bring Rocksteady and Bebop into the movie. And I respect that that movie wanted to try and be more like the cartoon than this movie I'm currently talking about. But still, they fucked up Casey Jones, and I will never forgive them. <sighs> Which brings us back to this movie. And so, Teenage Mutant the biggest thing with this one, and this is mildly spoilery, is that there is a lore change made in this movie that changes some relationships up a, up a little bit. Now, it technically makes... Uh, April O'Neil's character closer to the turtles in the fact that they were in this new lore they were her turtles as a child well technically they were her father's her father was the scientist experimenting on the turtles technically and that's that's where they came from now this does also make it so that Splinter doesn't learn martial arts from an actual Japanese master, which actually kind of makes the martial arts in this movie more of an appropriation in a weird way. But uh, but it technically also never made sense that a rat would have learned martial arts before it was exposed to the mutagen that gave it human intelligence. So, you know, it's like... It, it technically a change that makes more coherent science sense, but now you have to believe that Splinter learned karate from a book it found in the sewer. Um, and it, I, I guess if you can, I guess if if you can if you can buy into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I guess you can buy into that. You know, it's all meant to be kind of ridiculous. It was always meant to be kind of ridiculous. Now the big thing that this movie's got going for it is that it looks good. Well, generally speaking, some of the editing I thought was kind of sloppy, but generally speaking, it's got good action set pieces, and Ninja Turtles actually look like they can move. Also, they some they are fucking jacked. I mean, technically, other Ninja Turtles have always been jacked, but for some reason in this movie, you can like. Raphael is fucking yacked out like good lord muscles the size of just huge absolutely huge but uh but yeah so yes it might be an unpopular opinion but yes I am saying this is the third best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie it's got its flaws for sure. But you know what? It's actually not that bad for something that's been produced by Michael Bay. Yuck. Yuckity vomit. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's what I have to say about that one. Well, I thought I'd have more. So which brings me to my number two pick for an Ninja Turtle movie. Now, this one is going to be... Now, 
based on my criteria for the rest of the movies on this list, this one is going to be a little controversial because this was technically a made-for-TV animated movie. It's still, in my opinion, my favorite Ninja Turtle movie, and it's also a movie that I kind of think other movies recently might have been inspired by. And that movie is Turtles Forever. Yes, I'm talking about made-for-TV multiverse crossover that did it way before everyone else in 2009. And a movie that has some similar plot elements to a little movie we call Into Into the Spider-Verse, Turtles Forever, chronicles the epic crossover between the 1989 Ninja Turtles and the early 2003rd generation Ninja Turtles, or second generation, I don't know. Do you want to count the weird live-action Ninja Turtles show as a generation? I don't know. But anyways, the early 2000 Ninja Turtles, we'll just call them that. Teaming up with 1989 Ninja Turtles in a epic crossover where they team up and their enemies team up, and it's just... An incredible, an incredibly fun, if you like Ninja Turtles, send-up to the franchise itself. It also hilariously rips on the 1989 one. I mean, it's hilarious. Like, there's one part, like, there's one, like, the, the 1989 Ninja Turtles are all small and shit. Are all, like, smaller than the early 2000 ones. And the early 2000 ones are more grounded with more, like, real character development. But but the 1989 ones were just running around making puns and doing fourth wall breaks all over the place as they try and get, get pizza with weird with weird fucking toppings. And like the other and the other Ninja Turtles are like, "Why would you put that on pizza?" <laughs> and the other Ninja Turtles are always baffled by their behavior. Like the early 2000 Turtles who are who are who are more serious and more like the comic books, which Peter Laird actually was more involved with the early 2000s Ninja Turtles and actually was involved with the production of this specific movie. Fun fact. Uh, in fact, actually, he makes a cameo uh, at the end of the film. Although he doesn't say his name or anything. But, uh... So, Turtles Forever, they get together, and there's... there's and, it, and, like, all the, all the turtles, like, react differently to meeting the other Ninja Turtles... Like, Michael, the early 2000s Michelangelo thinks that the, the 1989 Ninja Turtles are hilarious, but Raphael can't stand them. But then they end up, they end up, of course, traveling into the multiverse of Ninja Turtles, and they, they see, like, they see, like, through doorways, they see, like, images from the different live-action movies. the free Michael Bay, though. Uh, and then they see... And then they end up in in Ninja Turtle Prime. That's right. They go back to the black and white Ninja Turtles uh, comic book series where, like, suddenly it's all in black and white. And, well, except for them, of course. But the black and white Ninja Turtles are there. And, and they all... And they're all super intense comic book Ninja Turtles who, like, say gritty noir-style dialogue... And of course, Raphael from the early 2000s is like, I love these guys. 
Ah, oh, it's great fun. It's great fun. And it, and the early two thousand and the early two thousand Ninja Turtle villains are like legitimate threats, and they make fun and like the show just makes fun of like how ridiculous the nineteen eighty nine uh, villains technology is. Oh, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful movie. I one hundred percent recommend it. I mean, it's not going to mean much to people who aren't Ninja Turtle fans, because even though it like has a the plot and story have like heavy sort of like seem, seem very like seem like into the spider-verse heavily borrowed from the film Into the spider-verse has a lot more of that grounded character development that's going to bring in a general audience who might not be familiar with spider-man i mean not bring them into the theater but like bring them into the story emotionally turtles forever doesn't really have that going for it as much it's just a lot of ninja turtle fun for people who love ninja turtles so what is my number one Ninja Turtle movie? Well, I mean, if you know the Ninja Turtle movies, then obviously the only one left is the original 1990 Ninja Turtle movie. This movie was the best balance, in my opinion, of the cartoon and the comic books. It had just the right amount of edge, just the right amount of light. It had it had a spot-on fucking Casey Jones. Side note, I actually really like Chris Evans' Casey Jones from TMNT, too. Uh, did I mention that? I can't remember if I mentioned that. But the 1990 one has a spot-on Casey Jones. It hits all the right notes. The Shredder feels more like the Shredder from the comic books. And then he's ac they actually have teenagers who are in the Foot Clan ninjas. It's... It's fucking dope. Has the action... I mean, has the action kind of aged poorly? Because, I mean, realistically speaking, they're, they're dudes in rubber, rubber suits. So even though it looks like they probably can move better than, like, Michael Keaton's Batman, they've still got some major restrictions that are CGI... That their CGI counterparts just don't have. In fact, I mean, honestly, the only thing that keeps me from putting the, the... The thing that keeps the Michael Bay movies higher up on the list is just that they have these awesome Ninja Turtle action set pieces that get to exist so that I get to see the Ninja Turtles operating at that level. Um, in terms of these movies, though, this is the best balance of all the necessary Ninja Turtle elements this movie right here just the best overall balance it's just one of those movies we just haven't been able to top quite yet sure the new movies are shinier and look better and TMNT I thought actually like and I thought the TMNT movie had a lot of good stuff going on for it like story wise but it, just, it looked terrible graphically you know i did put it above out of the shadows though so yeah ninja turtles good stuff i've always loved the new ninja turtles i also love oh, the ninja turtle video games are dope too i mean i mean just ninja turtles man well anyways i hope you've enjoyed uh listening to this i hope you enjoy the ninja turtles as well uh it'd be weird if i mean i 
maybe maybe on some level I've inspired you to to go out and and get yourself a, a taste of the Ninja Turtles. Uh, fortunately for you, like I've just established, the best Ninja Turtles movie is the first one. Uh, so you won't have to worry about wading through a lot of continuity to get to the good stuff. Because because these Ninja Turtle franchises tend to start off strong and then get ruined by the quest to sell action figures. Like so much superhero media, actually. All right, I'm Ruben. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with people that you know. And uh, please like, subscribe, do whatever it is on the place that you get your podcast to make sure that you're always getting this podcast. I put out about two episodes a week. And I have a lot of backlog catalog right now. There's some episodes out there that people haven't listened to that really deserve a listen. So, you know, feel free to Go through my old stuff, too. All right. Thank you for listening. Cowabunga. All right, and please welcome to the stage our next comedian, Michelangelo! (laughs) What's up, dudes? Me, Michelangelo. I'm happy to be here. Hope you're having a great night. Oh man, I just, you know, I, uh, before I was a stand comedian, I was in rehab. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't stop smoking the reefer. <laughs> but, uh, now I'm out. Now I'm living in the real world, not living in the sewer anymore. Yeah, no, me, I'm out here working the stage instead of working my ninja powers. I, I'm beginning, <laughs> I, uh, I'm beginning to think that my life experiences are not relatable to an average audience. You haven't even formed a joke! Get off the stage! Oh, I got a joke for you. It's called Ninja Powering You to Death! I'm sorry about the death thing. I don't normally kill people in an audience. <laughs>